In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you. I'm going to try to keep it brief today because of the baptisms and more prayers at the conclusion of the service. There are a couple of important things to comment on. The first one is today's gospel reading. Today's gospel reading is especially precious because it shows us what the true nature of forgiveness is. Christ gives us a parable in which a person is forgiven, a man who is a debtor, owes a great debt, and the master says, I am going, you've never repaid your debt. I'm going to claim what is mine. But since you don't have the ability to repay it, I'm going to sell your family into slavery, put you into prison, and then that will be my recompense. And the man begs. He begs his master, please forgive me. Release me of this debt. And the master says, okay then, (laughs) I will. He showed mercy on him. He had pity on him. And then what did the man do? He went to someone who was in debt to him. And he said, pay me what you owe me. Pay me what you owe me. And the other servants of his original master saw what had happened and reported the master and he called him a wicked servant. You wicked servant, I forgave you that debt because you besought me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the man was delivered to the jailers. He was not in the end forgiven of his debt because he didn't forgive. And so the nature of forgiveness is this. That if you desire to be forgiven by God, if I desire to be forgiven by God, the same goes for love in general, but if I desire to be forgiven by God, then I also have to desire the privilege and the power of offering forgiveness to other people. It's an incredible privilege to be a part of loosening the bonds of other people especially the bonds that I've put on them around their hands and around their feet and around their identity. Think of all the ways, again, that you've painted a picture of a person that you are resentful toward, that you have judgment against. And you have the ability, you have the freedom and the ability to release them of those judgments and those bindings that you've put upon them. But you have to be free first before you can grant freedom to another person. You have to free yourself of that desire that you have to judge and bind other people. And you have to see it as a greater strength and a greater power to love rather than to exercise authority over people by making them feel bad about themselves or getting them to do what you want them to do. Manipulation is a way of exercising power, and it works very well on this side of eternity, but not on that side. And the Lord makes it very clear that if we desire to get earthly earthly rewards, then we will get them on earth. I have a little saying, a frightening one. 
a helpful but convicting one. We get what we want. We get what we want. We actually get what we want. Not what we say we want, but we get what we want. Now think about it then. As a result of your actions, you are achieving certain goals, doing certain things and acting acting toward people in certain ways. And you're getting what you want to some extent. It's inconsistent with what you claim to believe sometimes. And so now the solution is to change what it is that you actually want, not just what you say you want. You say you want union with God, yet you condemn your brother who's made in God's image. You say you desire forgiveness, but you refuse to forgive another person over something little. But if you desire the good things of God, then you also have to act on them. This shows and proves that we understand the transcendent love of God that is a kind of foolishness or illogic to the people of our age. What about justice? Justice is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And we don't look back and forgive people and say, ha, 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 God will have his way with you. You say, I forgive you. And then you love the person as someone whose salvation God longs for. Do you understand? That's how we approach forgiveness. Okay. That gospel reading is a very important one, and we need to be taught this lesson over and over and over again. So search your hearts and explore in your own behaviors, in your own presentiments, how you act toward other people and seek to bind them that prohibit you from receiving forgiveness. And then freely offer forgiveness and realize that God will take care of all the details. (laughs) He'll do what you can't do. And he'll do what you don't need to do. And his love will prevail. That's the transcendent and loving God that we believe in. Now also we had baptisms today. So I want to give one little word on baptism. Because there needs to be a little exhortation for the newly illumined. And a reminder for all of us who are supporting them and who are members of the church. Because remember, every time we see someone go down into those waters and come forth, we see ourselves in them as well. We relive our experience of regeneration. And every time I think about baptism and why people would become Orthodox Christians, I think they must be crazy. Because... What I often tell people, we don't have anything to sell. We tell them, come and join the Orthodox Church and die to yourself. Fast for half of the year from various types of food. Come to many church services, do prostrations. Cry and weep over the reality of your own sins. Struggle to love other people even when it's really hard to do so. But then during the service today, I thought, you know what? It is kind of a good sell because we live in a day and age where I think we're defined by a prevailing sense of self-hatred and we're not sure what to do with that. Most people are so frustrated with their own lives. They don't want to live their own lives anymore. I don't want to be me anymore, or at least who I've been told that I am or 
who I'm trying to figure out that I am. We don't know the solution, so we try various tactics to escape. And this could be a very, very long homily if I went into all of those, but I won't. But the point is, the church provides the way. We know that the solution is actually to die to ourselves. But that's not it. Because man also wants to live. We want to live. The seed of God has been implanted within us. The desires that was made to spring forth with life and to bear fruit, abundantly even. (laughs) One piece of fruit is an abundance coming from a plant that has borne none, just so you know. So there's a matter of perspective sometimes. 100% more. That there's a seed within us, each and every one of us, but as we know through the gospel teaching as well, that seed has to be buried deep within the ground, as if hidden, as if dead before it can spring forth life. And the church offers this opportunity. You can die to yourself so that you may live. You can die to yourself so that the old man, St. Paul calls it, will not prevail anymore. That person that you've come to hate, that really isn't yourself. That person in the mirror who you've, come to, who you've come to despise, that's your perception of yourself, not the person who God created you to be. And so, in those baptismal waters, death is faced. I always remind people, you go underwater, you could stay there, and what would happen if you stayed there long enough? You wouldn't be coming out. So the waters that would claim your life, the chaos of life, the uncertainty and uncontrollability of this fallen world are surmounted by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You fall down into the waters of baptism and the priest pulls you up out of the water like Christ pulling Peter forth, who lost his faith in himself and it could only regain his composure through Christ Jesus. And so, while we're not trying to sell anything at all, We are offering something, and it is quite an answer to the existential quandary of the day, this day and age, and actually I think the one that has been since the very beginning. I want to share a short story and a quote in conclusion. A friend of mine shared this a few years ago, and it was one of the few stories I know, like maybe for every five homilies that I give, you might remember one or two things. But a friend told a story once when I was at a conference. We were all assigned to give, um, several of us were scheduled to give homilies. And he gave one, and I remembered this story. I didn't remember anything else he said, but I remembered this story. And this one is for the newly illumined. And it's consistent with some of the conversations that we've had. And for all of you as well. He begins with, I know a man who had a dream and he shared it with a friend who shared it with me. So now it's who shared it with a friend who shared it with a friend who shared it with me. And now I want to share it with you. I had a dream a while back. In the dream, I was being pulled down a white water rapid that was a thrashing and torrential river. I was thinking I'm going to die. I was aware of being full of fear in my thrashing about trying to stay afloat. My wrist hit something. I assumed it was a branch in the water. I grabbed it. It turned out to be a pool ladder sticking way out 
into the river from the bank. I pulled myself in exhausted. I looked back at the river thinking, that was lucky, for sure I would have died. Then I woke up. My adrenaline was going so much, my heart was literally pounding. I just got up 3.30 in the morning and came to church to keep the Lord company. While I was thinking about this dream, I heard by faith, what did you think of the dream? I thought, it was fortunate that the ladder handle was there and I was able to get out and save my life. The Lord said by faith, forgive me, what if I told you the river was me? What if I told you the river was me? When we put our hope in God's providence, we can't always jump to the most likely conclusions about what's happening. We try to save ourselves, and then in doing so, we get a temporary reprieve, but we lose ourselves all over again. We don't find life, but we find a semblance of it that's never satisfying. It's never satisfying, and we seek, once again, temporary reprieve, but it never meets us. It never meets our need. And what we need is to pursue the satisfaction, the one who satisfies with an undying and leaves us with an undying desire yet. He meets all of our needs yet leaves us not completely quenched because when you enter into a relationship with the uncreated and ever-living God, your cup will never be completely full. It will just continue to grow. Your heart will continually grow and increase evermore. So you have to live with a longing for that. You have to desire to be swept away by the torrential currents of God's providence and not be afraid to trust that it's Him. And if He tells you, what if the river was me? Then maybe the next answer would be, how can I jump back in? Let me go back to sleep so that I can jump back in. And he says, when you go to work tomorrow, you will be jumping back in. Let us beware, beloved ones, in seeking consolation that we not find it in the shallow and in the fleeting things of life. But let us find it in our beautiful Savior who wants to force the crisis for us, who says, you want to die, okay, but I won't just give you that. I will let you die so that you may live. And this is why the church isn't just a place of rest or of peace or of comfort or of solace. But it is a battleground. It's an arena. Listen to the words of St. Maria of Paris. I'll end with this quote. It would be a great lie to tell searching souls, go to church because there you will find peace. The opposite is true. The church tells 
those who are at peace and asleep, go to church. Because there you will feel real anguish for your sins, for your perdition, for the world's sins and perdition. There you will find an unappeasable hunger for Christ's truth. There, instead of becoming lukewarm, you will be set on fire. Instead of pacified, you will become alarmed. And instead of learning the wisdom of this world, you will become fools for Christ. May it be so through the prayers of our Holy Fathers. May the Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us.